Amateur psychologists, sometimes we play that role here in the fast lane. It, it said tongue-in-cheek, by the way, the term amateur psychologist, because obviously it means we're not professionals. We're just looking at psychology without actually having the clinical skill set to look at psychology. By the way, if you operate a uh, counseling system or center uh, and would like to be a partner of ours, we would love to work with you. Fast Lane, Ed Lane, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Trey Lyle VT, and we can uh, work on that discussion so that you can be the official resource when we actually play the role of amateur psychologist. We can refer people to you for your real expertise. But there's a value of just getting back to winning a basketball game for the Liberty Flames. Last night's game against Tennessee State was that. It's a five-win, five-loss Tennessee State team who's only team above the top 100 in, you know, Ken Palm, Bart Torvik, the net, you know, whatever metric you use. Oregon was the only top team, and the Ducks knocked off Tennessee State by 25 earlier this year, so it's not a real gauge for Tennessee State. Meanwhile, it's a Liberty team that theoretically is better than Tennessee State entering the game. We're saying this without the score, obviously, being something we need to consider. We'll get to that in a moment. But you kind of lost some confidence. You lost three out of your last four games, including the home-winning streak snapped against Grand Canyon this past weekend. And the flow of the game last night, it's one of those that because there was a women's basketball and then a men's game, which, by the way, I love the concept Kudos to Liberty for trying that concept, even though I don't think you can really gauge it now over the Christmas holiday break when students are out, whether this concept works or not. I'd like to see more of it in future Liberty basketball games. I get that television has a lot to do with when games begin for men and women and when they're scheduled and all that. But if you've got your way about it, I would love to see more of that and highly encourage it as often as possible in any form of basketball in terms of attendance. Probably more so for a, a school like Liberty because the higher-end women's game, Virginia Tech, LSU, UConn, South Carolina, Iowa with Caitlin Clark, they, they can generate some interest in ratings on their own, which is why a lot of those games are on Sundays as opposed to Saturdays when you get to January, February, and early March. But I, I love the concept for Liberty. But because of that concept, the game was supposed to start at 8 o'clock. It really tipped closer to about 8.30, 8.40. Which meant you're thrown off your schedule, your pregame routine is a little bit wonky in terms of eating, mental preparation, and everything. And you get a Tennessee State team that this is their chance to finally get a good win on their resume. And, and I say that because at 5-5, five and five, none of their previous wins had looked very good. And yet Liberty, they're a team that many project to be in the NCAA tournament. And it's a contrasting style. Tennessee State likes to push the pace. Liberty will do it at times. But they prefer to be much more controlled and deliberate. And that's why when Richie McKay said this afterwards, that some of the confidence Liberty can gain from this game is the fact that Tennessee State threw them out of their comfort zone at a time where Liberty, uh, you know, they were kind of a little rattled in terms of that confidence, having not seen consistent victories over a period of time. And that's part of what makes the win for Liberty last night a worthwhile and impressive one, albeit against a team that isn't necessarily going to gain a lot of headlines as being one of those, oh, look who Liberty beat type games. Proud of our effort. Uh, proud of our effort. Uh, we kind of knew Tennessee State was a dangerous team. They really get out and transition uh, at, a, at a breakneck pace. So 
uh, felt like that was an important part of the game. And uh, we did a pretty good job until the last 4.30 something of the first half. And they went on a little run and took the lead. I think we were up 32-24 and uh, they ended the half 11-2. So I, but I thought our response in the second half was, uh, was really good. And, uh, we had a, a lot of things that were, uh, I think that could have been a detriment to uh, our group's confidence. And uh, I thought we fought through the hard. Fault through the hard. Liberty gets credit for that. I mean, yes, obviously they covered the spread. And yes, I know of people that were uh, increasingly interested in this game with it being a 14 and a half point spread uh, last night. But it's less about that, obviously, if you're the Liberty Flames and more about just finding a way to win a basketball game when you've come through a bit of a grind of a schedule. And you've still got that on the horizon. Alabama's not far in the distance. Uh, heck, Utah Valley is, is an away game. That's kind of a tricky spot as well, uh, right after, you know, right, right around the Christmas holiday as well, either right before or right after. Please forgive me for, for getting the two times confused. But the point is, it's a, it's a spot for Liberty where that's the case. So as amateur psychologists here in the fast lane, again, we don't pretend to be real experts, and we didn't stay at a chain hotel last night that qualifies us for that. But... Richie McKay is not off base when he mentions the value of just regaining the feeling of victory, which is what the Liberty Flames were able to do with that 22-point win last night. Yeah, we, I mean, we lost FAU, Charleston, and then uh, beat Mississippi Valley, and then lost to Grand Canyon. So when, you know, we, we haven't lost three out of four uh, on our, on, very regularly. So I, I think there's just this, and Shiloh said it in the locker room, I thought it was well said, like he's grateful for winning because you can never – take it for granted you, you know college basketball it's hard to win games it doesn't matter who you're playing it's hard to win games so especially at this level so I, I yeah absolutely it's uh i think it was good for our group it was i mean for liberty you can kind of sense that because it, it started off again i i know this is it, it may seem like a bit of a stretch to some but just just ride with us on this comparison for a moment you remember when Virginia lost to UMBC? Of course, if you're a Virginia fan, how can you forget that nightmarish evening? And if you're not a Virginia fan, uh, you probably remember it for more glorious reasons. Well, the next year, Virginia goes back in as a one seed in the NCAA tournament. And it kind of had lost what it felt like to play in a tournament game that you won. And they really struggled with Gardner-Webb. And once they got through that, you know, obviously they got breaks. You know, they, they, they won their Sweet 16 game. You know, or excuse me, their second round game against Oklahoma fairly handily. But then Sweet 16 against Oregon, nip and tuck. We know about the Elite Eight against Purdue. Final four against Auburn with late free throws and then the overtime national championship game. But that first game was the one where you had to realize, okay, this is what it's like to play in this setting and we're going to fight through how weird it feels. Kind of felt that way for Liberty last night. Again, regular season game, totally different atmosphere. Stakes are not nearly what they are in March Madness. I know I'm you know, going out on a real limb with that. But having lost three of four, having had your home winning streak snapped in disappointing fashion with all the folks that were out there for the game against Grand Canyon Saturday, that's where if I'm an outside observer, and, and I didn't go to Liberty, I'm not a Liberty fan, um, you know, I, I do like Richie McKay, he's great to work with, uh, even though there are times where he, he didn't give you as much as you'd like in the media, and I get that's part of his job, and it clashes with what part of our, jo- our, our job is, but He's not wrong in mentioning this was a trap game for Liberty, and that's part of the value of getting through a game like this if you're the Flames. I think it was a little bit of a trap. You know, when you you play in front of 4,000-plus, you you lose a really tough game to another really good team, 
and it breaks a whatever game winning streak at home, uh, there could be a, a little bit of interference in your confidence and, uh, you know, maybe the disappointment that we felt that, uh, you know, maybe we let Flames Nation down. But so I, I thought our guys showed a great deal of maturity, uh, especially being down one in the first half uh, to respond the way they did in the second half. 100%. Thank you, guys. 100% for Liberty. Uh, I know we cut off the thank you there at the end for whatever that's worth. You're welcome. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was directed at you, Trey, no doubt about that. As I wasn't there. <laughs> you weren't even in the building. No. But, no, for Liberty, I mean, that that's where last night's game jumps out. This is not going to win best game of the year in the Conference USA Awards ceremony at the end of the year. It's not going to win best game of the year in the Liberty basketball ceremony at the end of the year. Or certainly, you know, the ESPYs, I know we laugh at how absurd they kind of are. But it's not. But for Liberty and the trajectory of, you know, not what they want to accomplish. That that obviously is three games, you would hope, if you're Liberty, in the Conference USA tournament in, in March. But getting to the point where you start to feel good about yourself going into that, that's where last night played a role and played a big-time advantage for Liberty, and that's the value of that type of performance. Speaking of value, when you're shopping for insurance, the real value is having somebody that can shop your rate to multiple carriers because Gardner Insurance Solutions is not a captive agency, so they can shop your rate to multiple carriers to make sure you get the best home and auto insurance rate and you can do what i did for a very small fraction of uh, what you would pay just a little bit more you can even get that umbrella policy to make sure you're extra certain you know from those fellow chevrolet ads that we have that i like to be extra certain and, and it's wonderful to have that extra level of certainty gardner insurance solutions will provide that when you're shopping for your insurance, they're on Old Forest Road in Lynchburg. They'll shop your home and auto rates for multiple carriers to make sure you get the best policy. Maybe it's price, but maybe you want a quality quality policy. And you're saying, you know what? I'm willing to spend just a smidge more to make sure I've got the best policy that cover more potential scenarios that pop up. You've heard from our Trost Law messages about uninsured or underinsured motorist insurance, how valuable that is. Or what might happen to your home if something falls on it. We're getting to winter weather where you could have power lines and you know poles and tree limbs and everything else that could come crashing in. Maybe it's that extra level of flooding that comes when weather pops into the area and you're one of those areas that could be affected. You just don't know. That's the value of going with someone like Gardner Insurance Solutions. They'll make sure they assess your house and shop for the best rate that fits exactly what you need for home and auto insurance, Gardner Insurance Solutions. More on the flames and your feedback on some of the other topics we've discussed this week, like the Draymond Green suspension from the NBA, one that we have not discussed as much, Al Michaels, he's out for the playoffs. That according to, well, NBC, which doesn't have him calling a playoff game this year. All of that feedback will come around 545 today after our chat with Ben Cates of NewsAdvance.com around 530. And of course, also after we keep receipts uh, from last weekend's games and what that means going forward. But speaking of things that matter going forward. Oh, yes, it's another day and another chance to look at the transfer portal in college football. It's time for the Fast Five at Five-ish. Five fast-paced, quick-witted things you need to know right now. 
number five. A couple of weeks ago, it was Kirk Signetti that our own Shane Matlin of the Harrisonburg Daily News Record noted was flying to Indiana and the possibility, or a plane was flying from Harrisonburg to Indiana, with the possibility of Signetti interviewing for the Indiana Hoosiers job. Of course, that was in fact the case. He did in fact take that job, and right after that, JMU Duke's quarterback Jordan McLeod entered the transfer portal. But that perceived reunion that could have been in the works doesn't look like it's happening right now. Because Curtis Rourke, the Ohio quarterback, one of the better players in the MAC, he has announced that he is transferring to Indiana. That all but eliminates the potential for a JMU reunion between Kirk Signetti and Jordan McLeod. There's also not a part of me that wonders whether, with the way the transfer portal is working right now, whether someone like Jordan McLeod, after the great year he had, and the fact he's a real good dual-threat quarterback, that he might be able to do better, both in terms of the amount of dollar, dollar bills, y'all, that he could take and get, but also a system that could prepare him better for the NFL. Speaking of quarterbacks on the move, more on that in number four. A slew of other quarterbacks that have been moving as it relates to the Atlantic Coast conference one of which is max johnson he is going to north carolina johnson from texas a&m he goes to north carolina obviously the landing spot is because well there is um drake may who has left north carolina will not participate in their bowl game against west virginia more on that by the way with paul stone pro handicapper for paulstonesports.org who's scheduled to join us tomorrow in the fast lane tyler van dyke from miami to wisconsin DJ Uyunglele, he is now a prohibitive favored to go to Florida State. There's speculation that the reason that's the case is because Cam Ward may not make it out of Miami without a deal in place for him to quarterback the U coming up. And of course, there's MJ Morris who joins uh, Jordan McLeod as quarterbacks in the portal. You know, my guy, MJ Morris, Mr. Dad saying his son's not going to transfer so that when the son transfers, everyone can be upset at the dad, even though it was the intention all along. Um, I, I, honestly, I, I don't you know. For a long term, who knows? But for a short term, uh, you're asking me for one year, Morris or Grayson McCall. McCall has accomplished more out of that. But Max Johnson in North Carolina, the pedigree is clearly there. My biggest concern for that move from Max Johnson from Texas A&M to North Carolina is he's got obviously a lot of talent. He's the son of Brad Johnson, who was the quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when they beat the uh, Oakland Raiders in the Super Bowl back when John Gruden won with Tony Dungy's pieces. And, you know, speaking of the Raiders, you can listen to a game that you might not want to watch tonight right here on CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg. Yes, by the way, speaking of Al Michaels, which we'll get to later, Al Michaels not a fan of some of these bad Thursday night matchups, and he voices it with kind of subpar TV (laughs) broadcasts. Well, if you want to just ignore all that and ignore the pain of watching it, 7.30 p.m. tonight is when you can listen to coverage beginning of the Chargers at the Raiders between Easton Stick of the Chargers and whoever ends up going out there, whether it's Aiden O'Connell or Jimmy Garoppolo. Or Brian Hoyer. Or Brian Hoyer, who knows, for the Raiders. But anyway, back to where we were discussing. Tyler Van Dyke to Wisconsin. I love this move. You know, Van Dyke never seemed to get the right shake at Miami, and he also battled injuries. Phil Longo, as we saw at North Carolina, is a very good offensive mind. And I trust, over the long haul, for um, 
what's his name? Luke Fickle. To start getting things in the right direction of Wisconsin, as challenging as that job is going to become with who all is entering the uh, the conference in the coming years. I think Wisconsin can still be a player. We mentioned the concerns of Mac Johnson, Max Johnson at North Carolina. It's not talent. It's North Carolina struggling under Mac Brown to actually develop that talent. That continues to be an issue. DJU, I think it's very real he goes to Florida State because it looks like Cam Ward might be on the way to Miami as indications are that could well be or Ohio up, State uh, or Ohio State. If I'm, by the way, if I'm Ward, if it's all about the money, maybe Miami. If it's about money and a better chance to prepare yourself for the NFL, um, look, I'm in the tank for Miami as much as anyone, but let's not kid ourselves. Ohio State and Ryan Day will do a much better job of actually helping you accomplish that particular goal. Number three. Shifting away from college quarterback news to NASCAR. Earlier this week, an NFL player, Alvin Kamara, showed up to the Saints game in a fresh, souped-up NASCAR-themed sports car and was photographed and videographed, I guess, getting out of that car, which had the NASCAR logos, with more NASCAR logos. Now, Kamara is on the payroll for NASCAR as one of their ambassadors, and he's done a lot in terms of helping grow that sport with minorities uh, and their particular interests. But for that, for NASCAR, it speaks to, once again, the fact that through all the flaws they've had as an organizing body and as a sport or as an entity, they've done a good job of really working with different creative ways to boost their brand. It doesn't have the appeal that F1 has with Drive to Survive, and uh, the timing of that show and how well it's been produced uh, certainly has elevated Formula One. But NASCAR's own creative measures have allowed them to at least keep a healthy gap between themselves and Formula One in terms of overall interest, and it paid off, literally speaking, with their TV deal recently. Some creative ways like this partnership are another example of that, and we've touched on this a lot of times with Corita Parks of Parks PR and SportsJourney.com, um, but the value of NASCAR thinking outside the box to reach different people and she's commended this from NASCAR regularly and it's worth referencing that because once again NASCAR getting some creative publicity from Alvin Kamara this past weekend number two I have dogged the NBA in a lot of cases but I give more credit to their in-season tournament I was skeptical of the concept I still don't pay a ton of attention to regular season NBA games But I'll be the first to admit, this tournament was a success by all measures. The final round championship game, or whatever you want to call it, the championship this past weekend, was a 4.58 million viewed event on ABC and the alternate telecast with Kevin Hart on ESPN2. This according to Sports Business Journal. That is about what a Christmas Day game would have gone for in the past, before the NFL came in and said, yeah, Christmas is going to be our day. But the NBA with this event... As SBJ also noted, games were up significantly double digits over Tuesday and Friday night games from last November. And yes, that doesn't include Thursdays when the NFL is taking place or Saturdays in the heat of college football or Sundays when you're going head-to-head with the NFL. And the NBA is not going to get ahead of football, which is the number one sport in America for the NFL being number one and college being 1A out of that bunch. But it shows creativity for the NBA. And while I get on Adam Silver in a number of areas... From a a creativity and a business acumen standpoint, I dog the in-season tournament idea. And while it still doesn't change a lot for me and it doesn't compare to playoff intensity, this thing was a resounding success and it is absolutely worth mentioning. And number one on the Fast Five at Five-ish. Back to the transfer portal as the Virginia Tech Hokies got a commitment from Georgia State offensive line transfer Montavious Cunningham. 
305 pounder, two years of eligibility left, and has played over 730 snaps in the 2023 season alone. I, look, I like it for Virginia Tech. You're not going to get finished products at offensive line. But truthfully, Trey, I don't think there are that many. I think you find guys with the traits you want. Athleticism, coachability, a mean streak, the ability to digest information so that you can get on the page with fellow offensive linemen and then mesh it with a scheme where you're not asking them to block as long as possible. And to their credit, Virginia Tech has incorporated more of those concepts recently. Cunningham's got some athleticism. And he's the type of guy that when he goes from a Georgia State strength, conditioning, nutrition, and uh, you know, sports science program to Virginia Tech, which is pretty advanced in that department, you could expect increased and elevated, elevated play from him. Uh, Trey. I was going to say is, I, I you know, I, the offensive line did, did improve, you know, as the season went on. And I think you add one or two pieces to it. I think that's going to help a lot. I like this for Virginia Tech quite a bit. Um, they're not getting the studs out of the studs in the transfer portal. Your five-star, $500,000 a year plus type players. But they seem to be identifying the right kind of players that fit with what Virginia Tech should reasonably expect. And I think another thing is they've had a lot of really good retention this year. Whether it's keeping APR back, whether it's the four pass catchers coming back. You know, uh, we'll see what happens with Basil Tootin. But... You know, it, this is this is just you know Josh Fuga coming back, and you know these aren't like these might not be all Sunday players, but this is good. You know, these are good guys that compete in the ACC, and you look at their schedule next year. Like this is stepping up where the natural step would be. Uh, you know, I, I I said yesterday eight wins, and I think that could be a reasonable expectation with how much is coming back and how this offense developed towards the end of last season. So, Trey, here's one more nugget and to, that's throw way in, far ahead. to throw into your comment on retention. But there's a lot of speculation about Dorian Strong leaving for the NFL draft, as well as Monsoor Delane potentially transferring to another program, depending on NIL. I heard this nugget from Tony Pauline. He's a, a, a guy that we've had on regularly, and he's pretty well sourced, particularly with guys that are second to seventh round NFL draft prospects. So that kind of under the radar news, but frankly, news that applies to teams from the Commonwealth because no Virginia school right now is poised to put anybody in the first round. But Pauline has mentioned that there's a lot of sentiment in the NFL. So this is NFL agents, management, executives, the feedback from that area, which is not worth dismissing. Uh, It's worth considering that. But there's a lot of feedback that they actually believe Dorian Strong is trending towards coming back to Virginia Tech. Now, the folks that are tied into name, image, and likeness, the folks that are tied in towards, uh, you know, recruiting and Virginia Tech's roster build, this is not from that angle. But if you're talking about people with NFL ties and the agent community and the sentiment that they're getting, especially in an era now where a lot of college players have representation, this is potentially a really good development for Virginia Tech and could cushion the potential blow if Monster Delane leaves, then at least you get your most productive defensive uh, back back. Again, and I want to pump, you might want to pump the brakes on the Mansour Delane speculation because uh, Fahim Delane, who is his brother, just said announcement coming tomorrow at Hayes Face It, who's the big, he, he works for On3, does all these edits. It's a picture of him and his brother, Monsoor. You want to guess where the photo's taken? Is, is this the one I've seen from them, like, at the 50-yard line in Blacksburg? It is. And that's the photo he used. I know we're getting real into this. He details. used this for the anna- saying, an announcement coming tomorrow. I mean, we've seen some crazy things, but... I mean, that that's a lot of, that's a lot of smoke. 
It's a lot of smoke, and it doesn't mean there's necessarily a fire there, but we may have developments on Let's this Let's put it tomorrow. this way. Uh, if Fahim Delane commits to Virginia Tech, I will bet my life that Monsor Delane will not <laughs> transfer. Can, can, can I ask you this question? Because you know this better than I do. Yeah. Is Delane eligible to either reclassify, or he's already in the upcoming class where he would be a freshman uh, this fall? I think he's at 25. 25. I would have to look him up. That oh. changes my outlook a little bit. On that, but uh, but again, keep in mind, Trey. Maybe there's the reclassification, and he comes into black. He is class of twenty five. Twenty five. Okay, that changes it a little bit. But if he's coming to Virginia Tech as well, it could easily show that that he likes the program, and there's enough light to the program that you know. Again, may, maybe Monster Delane is not ready to necessarily leave this particular program. And there is your fast five at five. When we return in the fast lane, we go back to high school football and put a bow on the season with Ben Cates of newsadvance.com. Plus, Trey and I have to keep receipts. It's not about gloating with our records. It's more what we've seen over the last week of games. Our records are not bad. I mean, my record this past week might be bad, but our overall records are fine. You know, we're respectable. We don't do this for a living, so as long as we're hovering around 500, even if it's a slight loss of money, it's worth the entertainment value. Uh, if you're trying to make money, that's not the right attitude. 52.3% against the spread is what you need to be uh, if you're going to you know, have a chance to make a living after this. But if you're talking about for entertainment purposes, you know, you hover around that, hey, you can get some mileage out of it, not really throw money away. It's more just moving it from one to the other uh, in terms of wins and losses. Anyway, back in the fast lane after this, Ben Cates, newsadvance.com on high school football on the fast lane on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app.